Can y'all give it up for pastors Adam and Jamie who do a phenomenal job here? And I want to say happy anniversary. I had no idea, uh, uh, but that's exciting. And uh, I, I got to tell you, you know, it, it, it probably does take a guy or like me to tell you, you know, Eric and I, we're privileged to be in so many different conferences in so many different churches all over the planet. And I can tell you going in and out of churches and cultures and atmospheres, you were spoiled here. Are we not spoiled at Church on the Hill? I mean, we just got amazing leaders all throughout this room. And I believe it's a testimony of what pastors Adam and Jamie raise up. I'm talking about the Aldaffers being sent out to Tennessee. What other church is doing that? Are you with me? I'm talking about pastors Jonathan and Myrna who lead the lead EP. Come on, do you enjoy that? Or what about Lance and Erica Byler who are doing a phenomenal job, not just leading worship, but our missions. And there's just so many people, pastors Chris and Donna Hart, who do a great job. There's just so many people, Ken and Kenzie, a lot of great leaders that are in this room. And we're spoiled here. We really are. Trust me. I've been in a, I, I, so I travel so much to churches. I feel like I go to church more than Jesus. And, and some of that's true because he don't go to the churches I go to sometimes until I get there. <laughs> and so I remember one time I was complaining to the Lord. I said, Lord, why are you always sending me these dry churches? Why you, I, I want one where the fire's going and where people are hungry. And, and then he told me, he said, son, fire burns better in dry places. Okay, I mean, I see why, but, you know, it'd be nice. <laughs> but listen, let me, let me just tell, uh, it's a great honor. Thank you so much. And we say this all over the world, that these are our pastors. This is our covering. They're our oversight. It's just yeah. a tremendous honor to be here. And I know that this is the first time in a long time that we have spoken here at Church on the Hill. So for our new family members, let me just tell you who we are. I'm originally from El Paso, and Erica's originally from North Dallas out in Allen. And, uh, and, and we, uh, we grew up in a heavy Catholic atmosphere, family. We both met the Lord in radical ways and uh, got called in the ministry. And I remember uh, uh, before that, we were in corporate America. We uh, streamlined the internet sales process for Rolls-Royce and Maserati and Bentley and Land Rover. This is when we first met Pastor Adam when we were still working there. And, uh, but we had a call to ministry, and our first assignment was to be missionaries in Sri Lanka. Now, how many of you have heard of Sri Lanka? Come on. Raise your hand. Okay, all three of you. That's great. Uh, it's 40 miles south of India, and it was in the middle of a civil war, but God was raising up in his church, and we helped relaunch a church there, and we were seeing daily signs, wonders, healings, miracles, salvations. It was powerful to see legs grow out that had been blown off by landmines and, and eyeballs appear where there was no eyeball on the socket. Come on, how many you know God's a miraculous God, and he's still into miracles today? We came back and, and took over youth ministry uh, here in the Dallas area, and we just had a sweeping revival come through young people. It was amazing. I mean, I watched a kid cast demons out of his friend and order from McDonald's at the same time. It, it was something like, listen, I want, a, I want a hamburger with some cheese, and let him go right now in Jesus' name. Put salt. Y'all been stingy on the salt and the fries. Put extra salt in the fries. Loose him right now. Shut up, devil, right now in Jesus. Strawberry shake. Make sure you get a strawberry. I didn't realize what was happening until I had a French fry hanging out my mouth. It was powerful, though. Uh, it's just, I would rather pastor that than some dead, lazy, lethargic church any day. It was powerful. And, and then we would get a call from Christ for the Nations from Pastor Adam. He said, I know the leader you're raising up there. Can you come do that at CFNI? And uh, we've been there for quite some time and taken on a new assignment overseeing Youth for the Nations. And it's just been an amazing, amazing journey. But Eric and I, we've been uh, married for almost 12 years now. And uh, we're excited about that. And we're expecting our fourth baby. Come on. I, uh, 
We're Hispanic, you know, Brian and Proud. We start churches before we start families. So that's just how we work. But uh, uh, we have our, our oldest son, Elisha, and then Jasmine and Carissa, and now a baby boy who we have agreed on will be called Micah. And I know we're real excited about it, baby Micah. Um, but I want to tell you that I feel like the Lord has tasked us with the assignment to talk about Fuller House and talk about family at a teenager, young adult level. And, and when I talk about this, I don't want you to, this doesn't just apply to parents. It applies to people who are employees and employer. It applies to people who have a call to ministry. And if you're in this church, you're going to be a leader one day because that's just what Pastor Adam develops as you get around this church. You're going to lead something. And, and so when, I, when, when we're talking today, we're going to be speaking to you from this subject. And I find that a lot of people don't necessarily know how to speak uh, to young people uh, as much. And, but I want to talk to you about how to lead people. Not organizations, not homes, but people. Are you with me? And I feel like a lot of us, we, we feel like we were blindsided when it, we got married. Come on, you, you're never ready. You're never ready for any of this. Marriage, children, call. You're not ready for it. Let's be honest. You were never, how many of you were ready to be married? Thank you. No, all the single people are raising their hands. But, but uh, like I feel called to celibacy. I don't know. Uh, but I feel like you're never ready to be married. I wasn't ready for this beautiful one right here. She wasn't ready for all this good stuff. We're just not ready. Are you following me? We were ready to have kids. Let's be honest, parents. Half the time, you don't know if you're helping them out or messing them up. And we'll find out on Oprah one day. You, you know, we just, you never know, right? You, you're just never ready. But God never promised or said you would be ready. He said, I would be with you. I would never leave you nor forsake you. He said, you'd be anointed. He said, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered the heart of men, the things that God has prepared for those who love Him. In other words, baby, you ain't never going to be ready, but it's going to be that good. Are you with me? And I feel like a lot of times we feel like we're always two steps behind when it comes to parenting, at least when I've counseled parents and when I've talked to leaders. I feel like I'm two steps. No, you're not two steps behind. You're in the journey. You're in the process. And so I want to bring some comfort and some confirmation to your life today. This is what we've done. Raise up leaders, work with young people for 15 years, and I feel fully prepared for it this morning. But let me say this. We are going to be teaching out of a curriculum that we created. Pastor Adam called me about a year and a half ago and said, you know that teaching and that curriculum you have with this, this, that you're teaching at the school? Yeah. He said, I need you to put that together and you need to start making that available because I've got pastors and leaders that need it. Little did I know that it would catch fire. I didn't realize that it would end up, I can't say the name, but it ended up in the office of a mayor of a major U.S. city who called me and said, I am going to take this and put it uh, uh, in front of every high school teacher's hands so they can learn how to speak a language of freedom and a language of empowerment. We, we got calls from a, a major oil company who said, can you fly out here? We got a piece of your curriculum, flew out there, met with them. I talked for 15 minutes. They said, stop, stop. They said, we want to buy everything. I said, what do you mean everything? Everything you have with you and everything that's at your office. That happened. I mean, I got a call from a, a superintendent from Louisiana who said, because we took two days to go through your curriculum, our disciplinary problems have decreased by 50%. All because we created a curriculum and an understanding of what freedom looks like. And so I'm going to be teaching this. No, the, I had a lot of people ask us the first service. The curriculum is not available today. And the reason why is we would love for you to come on Saturday. And if you want it, then we'll make it available then. If you can't make it Saturday, you can always go on our website and find it. But I really challenge you, be with us on Saturday because we don't want to just give you knowledge. We want to give you how-tos. Come on, how many know that's the question? How do I raise good young people? How do I call them into ministry? How do I call them into their purpose? How do I call them into their greatness? That's what we want to do. Come on. Now listen, I'll say this before I even get into it. You cannot go quiet on me. 
All right, don't go, if you like your church quiet, you do not want to go to heaven. Because there's going to be one loud Mexican up there making as much carne asada as possible and worshiping as loud as possible, so we might as well get used to it now. Are you with me? Listen, I believe the Word of God should have home field advantage at the church. Right? I love home field advantage because I got the most crowd support. I feel like the Word of God should get the most crowd support right here at the church. Can you talk back to me this morning? Don't go quiet on me. Or you're going to see this Mexican with a mic get really insecure. All right? And that's not pretty. All right? So can you talk back to somebody? Say yes. yes. Say come on. come on. Say that's good. That's good. All right. Turn on your Bible. I know what generation I'm talking. Turn it on or open it up. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And for the sake of time, find 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to begin in 2 Corinthians. Let me say this to you, a very familiar piece of passage. Let me quote it to you. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Come on, say it with me. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now what's interesting is the Lord could have chose anything. He could have told Paul to write anything to describe, you know I'm in the room when this is happening. In other words, he could say, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's blessing. Or where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's peace. Or where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's breakthrough. But what he said was, you know I'm involved in someone's life. You know I'm doing a work in somebody's life when the levels of freedom in their life start to increase. Now what I'm not talking about is a freedom that takes you back to go and sacrifice it so you go back to bondage. I'm talking about a freedom that's so precious and so valuable to you that you wouldn't do anything to jeopardize the freedom you have in Jesus Christ. Are you with me? I'm not talking about a nasty grace that just takes you right back to sloppiness and non-effective living and sinful, wicked living. I'm talking about a grace that leads you closer to the Lord. Are you with me? I like this. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And what I have found in, in 15 years of youth ministry is that most parents, most employers, most pastors are trying to control their people's behavior. That is not how you raise up godly men and women. You don't control their behavior. You teach them how to manage their freedom. Let me tell you why we have a generation that's fallen away in college and greater than anywhere else is because when they come outside of the authority that's in their life, they've never known what to do with freedom so much in their life, so they start making decisions that they weren't poised for because they never learned to manage their freedom. They were learned to be managed, not manage their freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. We have to start setting people up for a realistic environment. And the only way we do that is by, listen, have you noticed that one of the fruits of the Spirit is not control? It's self-control. Have you noticed that? You could literally solve half the world's problems if you understood self-control. I could literally get rid of an addiction problem if people knew how to tell themselves no. Self-control. I could solve an addiction. Listen, I could solve a womanizing problem if I can teach you how to manage your freedom with self-control. It's all right here. This is what we need, a culture of freedom, a language that gives us the opportunity to impart freedom, not fear, not control. And I like what Paul does here in in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. He writes this to a church. Now, we know Paul never had children, but he refers to his place in the Corinthian church's life as children. I'm your father, you're my children. So we know there's this thing to spiritual parenting, spiritual sons and daughters, but even more so as an employer to an employee, you'll get better You'll get more out of your people if you'll learn how to have a language of freedom. If you'll be, listen, you won't be so insecure as a parent if you learn to empower your, 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 your children in the area of freedom. I like what he says. He says, I am writing this, verse 14, I am writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my dear children. Even if you had 
10,000 teachers in Christ, you do not have many fathers. Now watch this. For in Jesus Christ I became your father through the gospel. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. Isn't this interesting? I thought Jack and Nicole did such an incredible job. Come on, are you, are you grateful for amazing children's pastors? Who did such an incredible job hitting that piece right there of modeling what a godly marriage looks like. Modeling what a godly man and godly woman. Putting those things, imitate me. But Paul takes it a little deeper. He says, you can have 10,000 voices. You can listen to 10,000 podcasts. You can Google a great message 10,000 times. But you only get one daddy. You get one mother. Now, ladies, let me say this. As we move forward, as I'm saying father, please know I'm saying mother at the same time. Okay? Don't, don't be put off by that. Listen, if I can be a bride you can be a father, okay? So, but Erica, would you pray us into this and, and take us even deeper? Yes, let's do this. Father, I thank you that you're here with us, God. Lord, I thank you that you love us, and it is your desire for us, Father, to have wisdom and revelation, God, on how to build our houses, on how to manage, Father, the people that you've put us over, God, on how to do it with wisdom, God, and revelation, God, and understanding. Father, help us to have knowledge, God, and fill uh, our rooms of our house and our mind and our heart with precious riches, God, and treasures, God, on how to lead and how to create a culture of freedom, God. God, we want to be like you. We want to imitate you. And Father, I thank you that you're going to fill us with your goodness. You're going to fill us with your revelation. God, you're going to fill us and help us, God, to raise a generation who's not fearful, Father, of you, but who is confident, Father, in who you say that they are, Father, and who you've called us out to be. And I thank you, Father, that, Father, we are going to be an example to the world, Father, in wisdom, and Father, in, in parenting, God, and in how to model love, and we're going to be imitators of you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You know, we're so excited to be here, and like we're, we are so honored that we have Pastor Adam and Jamie as our example, and, and we know they are the real deal. We can confess that to you guys, but I want to also confess and just testify that my husband is an imitator of Christ, and you see us, and you see us up here, but he is the same person off stage as he is on, and that's the biggest deal, and I just want to affirm you and tell you I love you, but we do. We have we have four beautiful kids, and, and they get to see Daddy, you know, say and talk to do, do the same thing, and he does it at home. But we were in youth ministry for 15 years, and, and you know, it was, it was then when we really noticed that God needs us to be fathers and mothers to the people around us. And, and you know, when I first got saved, instantly I had an understanding that there is somebody who I've been, even if I've been doing this walk a month longer than somebody else, somebody needs what God's deposited on the inside of me. And I want to encourage you wherever you're at. I don't care if you're a mom. I don't care if you're, you've been in ministry all your life. I don't care. You know, I'm a mom and I believe I stay at home with my four kids, but I believe there's people out there who need mentors and need to look at us as Christians, as, as representing Christ. But when we were youth pastors, um, I we had this we had this girl. She she was a daughter to us, and we met her through a um, private school that my husband would go teach at. And she just really started opening up to him. And he said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, girl, you need to talk to my wife." And so I started picking. He was man of wisdom right here. And so I started picking her up, and I started just investing into her. And just she would come to church, and she, oh, I love Jesus. Oh, I love everything you're teaching me. And then. She would show up at our house drunk and just completely just wasted. And we were like, girl, what were you saying? Because last week you were not, yeah, you don't throw up on my couch, right? I was more afraid of my couch. But, you know, she, she at, at, 
youth pastors, you know, I'm sure youth pastors, leaders in here, you want them to be walking out the call of God that you're teaching them every week, you're pouring into them, you're like spending all this time. As parents, you want them to listen to you. And they come and show up drunk and they're doing everything opposite you're teaching them. And what we did, I find that the Lord really strengthened us and gave us a love supernaturally. But, I mean, to love her and, and to meet her where she was at and to, and to um, just embrace her. But she would come and she would also, she, she was, we speculated she was, you know, telling us one thing and doing other things. And then she was, um, we would hear of her going to parties and there was multiple uh, fortification partners going on, if you understand what I'm saying. Multiple opportunities. Multiple opportunities. Um, and, then, and then we found out she, you know, she was using um, abortions as contraceptive. I mean, this girl was just in over her head broken. And, and um, after we found out um, that she had been going through all this, then it was like, I'm going to marry this girl. I'm going to, we're going to move to Tennessee. It was just, she was looking for love in all the wrong places. And I could have really, I identified with her where she was at because I had, God had delivered me out from the same lifestyle. But I stopped and we realized that what she was going home to was, was parents telling her, okay, honey, well, let's just not do that again. Let's just, let's, you know, I'm disappointed. How could you do that to me? I'm angry. She would, and I mean, just, she was not having the parent that she needed. She was not having the voice that she needed. And real quickly, that led her into having eating disorders. That led her into um, cutting. It led her into so many things that just seemed so, I mean, how could we help you? I mean, it's, she needed a father and mother, and at that point, we realized we need to be a father and mother to this generation because there's a generation who doesn't have parents that sometimes know what to do, and her parents loved her, but they didn't know what to say. They didn't know what to do. Sometimes you have your own children, your own grandchildren, and you just don't know what to do or say, and this is where God's going to equip us today and give us an understanding. What is it about one spiritual father or mother, or mentor that is more powerful and more influential than 10,000 teachers. And we're going to get into that today. But, I mean, there is an issue in the church. Sometimes we know how to catch them, but we don't know how to clean them. And many times, you know, it, it is, it, it's just an understand, it's a lack of understanding on how to lead them, on how to do it. And we feel like the, the world should be looking to us but we don't know what to do and we get scared and we get, oh, and the enemy tells you you're not enough or you don't have enough understanding or equipment, but you have enough in you. And that's one thing we want to just really help you understand that there's more than enough in you to walk teens through issues, to walk them through things you haven't even gone through. There's some of the stuff she went through I hadn't even gone through. She was at a level that I hadn't even experienced. So you do not need to limit yourself or think, I can't do this, or I just don't have enough training. You are connected to a holy God who gives you wisdom and revelation and understanding. But, but helping people not tell them what to do, but help them clean up their messes. That is one thing that we believe that God has shown us that we are to impart. How to teach you how to do that. And we will do that more on Saturday. But a parent or mentor's role to help really birth and solidify there's three areas that you need to be doing and birthing in them. It's to birth them and solidify them in their identity, give them protection and provision. And this is something that you need to learn today and that we're going to focus on. Yeah, these are the three areas. If you're, if you're learning, how do I raise up 
believers in my house? What do I speak to? Because what I have found is parents love to just speak to everything, but there are some things that you have a greater focus, you need to have a greater focus on. And those are the three areas, identity, protection, and provision. And, and when we say this, I want, I want you to hear this, that we are not saying that you have missed moments. We are not saying that you're doing a bad job. I think a lot of times we, what Erica is saying is whether you were prepared or unprepared, there's a wisdom on the inside of you. I remember when I when I first started out uh, doing young raising up young people and, and and even having my own kids, I would call people for advice, and then I'd be like, "That was so weak." And I was calling people for a wisdom that was weaker than what I found in myself, and I got tired of that. And I realized, Lord, you have given me everything I needed right here in your word to help me establish these places of priority. Now, every place is important, but there are priority places. Are you with me? And so we want to teach you on these three areas. The first one is identity. And let me tell you what identity is. It's establishing who a person is. That's identity. Establishing who a person is. I like Proverbs 23, 7. It says, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So let me, let me put it to you like this. I had a friend call me one time, and he was a youth pastor. He said, Pastor Chris, I need some advice from you. I said, go ahead. He said, I had this kid about two weeks, three weeks ago come into my office, and he confessed this huge lust addiction, pornography, everything. I mean, just gross, as very graphic as you could probably imagine. I mean, just bad, bad. And so this kid's broken about it. The Lord obviously convicted this kid about it. So he sets up this meeting, meets with the pastor, confesses it. The pastor does the right thing. Prays with them, leads them through a place of repentance, uh, brings some healing to it, and then puts some accountability and says, listen, I'm going to check on you, all right? I, I'm not your judge, but I am your fruit inspector. And so let me, let me check on you, right? So he goes and says, he says, I'm going to come up to you and ask, how are you doing? Now, I'm not asking how your day went. We just got this secret code language happening, right? I'm just going to ask you how you're doing, and you and I both know what we're referring to. And so he goes up to this kid two weeks later, in between services, just like here at Church on the Hill. He says, he walks up to this kid, and he goes, hey, how you doing? And this kid's like, what, what, are you, what are you talking about? And he said, no, 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 no. How are you doing? And this kid's like, uh, Pastor, are you okay? Because I have no idea what you... I mean, it's not like he can shout, hey, you're a pervert. Remember you were asking me for help? In my it's not like he can come out and say that, right? So he, says, so he tries to sell it stronger. Hey, how are you doing? And this, and this kid's like, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about. He says, man, you were in my office confessing pornography and all this kind of stuff. He said, oh, Pastor? This is what he said. Oh, Pastor? That was my other personality. He called me and said, what do I say? Like, what do I do? I said, man, I know what I would have done. That kid would have popped that off on me and said, oh, pastor, that was my other personality. I would have said, fine, I want a group meeting right now. You are one person with one mind. You are not multiple places. Are you following me? This is what's happened. Do you realize we have the most medicated generation on the planet? And they find more identity in self-control in their Adderall than they do in their prayer life, than they do in their parents' marriage. Come on, help, help me out a little bit. And I feel like it's up to us to have words that speak into these places. You know, I find that Eric and I, as we have counseled parents, we have found that parents are on top of their kids for every little thing. Well, no wonder why your words mean pennies when they should be valuable as gold. Because your words need to be well-placed in their life so that when you speak, everybody quiets down and listens. That's what you want. It's not that you become antisocial to your kids. It's just they know, let me speak some identity to you. This is who God told you we, you were going to be. When Eric and I first had our children, we, uh, we had a book. We, we felt like the Lord told us we have this one for every kid. We have a journal. And every time we get into a place of prayer and we pray over our kids, sometimes the Lord will speak to us. And we will write down 
things. Like Elisha has a collection of nine years because he's nine years old. We will write down things. Why? Because one day I'm going to give that to him on his wedding day. And I'm going to say, son, this is everything the Lord has told your mother and I about. And this is who you are. That is more powerful than some college education, than some diploma, than some certificate. It's all about identity. And one of the things I think Erica does really well is speaking the language of protection. So I'm going to let her hit this uh, pretty hard. Well, and we want to give you the definition of protection. Protection is to be mindful of a person's state of being and direction. To be mindful of the person's state of being and direction. And I think when, when you hear protection, you think, oh, I need to protect my kids. I need to go save them if they're about to fall. I need to go um, help them if they're about to make a wrong decision. I need to control them and make sure that they don't do anything to hurt themselves. Well, God never did that to me when I was about to make a poor decision. He didn't come right in front of me and say, stop, don't, don't do that with that person. He didn't do that to me, did he? But but a father does bring covering, and he does bring wisdom. And I like um, one thing that we do with our kids is that we protect them from, from where we, we watch. And a lot of being mindful of where they're at is watching and being connected to them. But I would watch as my son would struggle with um, laziness. And sometimes I would struggle with laziness as a kid, and I struggled um, growing up doing my homework. I struggled focusing, which was really interesting, but it was a struggle. I would stay up till 3 o'clock in the morning doing a project because I couldn't focus. But, but I, I would watch my son just struggle with laziness, and, and I would, I, I, you know, I could just get mad at him all day and just give him consequences for his laziness. Or I could stop and speak to him and say, son, you are not a lazy person. You are a hard worker. You are, a, you are focused and you are a man of God. You are a hard working, focused man of God. And when I started saying those words to him, he would just rise up and it would, it was better than every consequence I could give him. But I would, I would speak to him. And we, we have this language in our house. Do we do hard things or easy things? And my, my son's so funny. He would be like, we do, we do easy, hard things. I'd be like, okay, stop. You're not slick. We do hard things. Stop trying to get slick. We do easy, hard things. But when you, when you watch what they're doing and when, you, when you're in tune and you're connected, I think that's a big thing. Sometimes as parents or moms, maybe you have young children like I do, sometimes you get disconnected from what's going on or you you're not paying attention you're busy with work I understand we're we're tired at the end of the day I just want to sit and veg sometimes but you know being being uh, mindful of where they are at and seeing they need me to speak to that moment they need me to speak to them and they need me they need me right now to call out what they are not operating in. And I think that's something that, that we need to really do is start. Sometimes you, you're, you see your kids acting like little heathens. They're not just little being little heathens. <laughs> they need somebody to call them out of that and, and bring them back to the focused mind of, I am, this is not who I am. And many times they just hear us saying, what do they hear us saying? Stop doing that. Why are you doing that? Why are you being so lazy? Why aren't you honoring your sister? Why don't you do? And, and all they hear, like my husband was saying, are just your words. And they're, and they're worthless in that moment because it's just you're always nagging. And I, I know I've been there too. I'm not perfect at it. But, but we have learned to stop. And Proverbs 1.8 says, My son, hear the instruction of your father or mentor or mother. And it says, verse 33 later on says, Whoever listens to me will dwell in safety and will be secure and will be without fear of evil. And as a mentor, you're covering their successes and their failures. And some of their successes and failures, these are the areas that you need to be covering them in. Is the, number one is in their character. And then 
and in their um, which consists of their attitudes and their morals and their mindsets. And and many times you think, oh, I just need to, you know, you need to be speaking to their character and saying it, but not in a way of control, but in a way of, hey, let me show you what you're doing. Your character, you are better than this. You are not, you are not immoral. You are not, a, you know, I, I would say to my kids, like, you are not, um, you are not, um, you are not, that, you are not a, uh, like, a he, I don't know if I say heathen. I don't say heathen. <laughs> but you're a woman of God, Jasmine. You are, you, that's not who you are. You're not my, when my kids get whiny, because I mean, you know kids get whiny, and we have kids in our youth group that would just get whiny. I'd be like, you're not a whiner. You're not a complainer. You're going to trust, and you're going to believe. And we ask them questions in those areas, and we challenge those areas. But we don't just let, we don't just correct them and be like, oh, stop doing that, because that's mostly what we do. We try to control Envision, envision, and um, you help them with their vision. Help focus them. Help ask them questions is a big way that my mentors would always come to me. What is what is God saying to you? What is the one thing you need to get done before you leave this earth? What is God calling you to do? What are you afraid to do? Because sometimes that's what God needs you to do, right? And that's it's a lot of what my song is about. I just released a song. It's called Put On Your Brave. Woo, who's heard it? Yeah, and I'm actually rapping in it. Yeah, I'm a rapping mom. Yes, I'm a rapping mom. And my son, somebody told my son, I didn't even know your mom could rap. My son's like, I didn't know she could rap either. But I was so afraid to do it, but I had a desire to do it. But people would ask me, what is it that you're afraid of? What is it you feel like God wants you to do? What is it that you feel like in your marriage? What in your marriage do you feel like God needs you to change? And you need to get good at asking questions like this. Physical well-being. Um, you know, my husband, would have, oh, this could work in any relationship. But I don't tell my husband. I, I would want to just scream because I would see the way he would eat. And I would just want to be like, stop eating that junk food. But I would ask him, like, hey, how is that going to affect you? How, hey, how is, how is that going to help our kids, like, when we're older? How is that? And you, you get good at asking questions and let them Get, come up with the answers and let them feel like the genius. But you're protecting. <laughs> you let them feel like, oh, I came up with this on my own. And, and this is a way to empower. You're empowering people. Um, stewardship of your time, skills, and money. I know my husband's really good at this one. How, how, do, how you know, would you say that? A lot that of times when, when I would get with teenagers, they would be like, hey, I want to come and lead in the church. Or, hey, I want to take a greater responsibility in this. I'm like, okay, let's break down your calendar for just a second. You go to school from this time to this time. You work from this time to this time. Your parents want to see you every now and then, obviously. Or maybe not. You know, you know, just you work with them. But the truth is, I'm trying to get you to steward something in your life. And again, that's another thing that we don't teach young people very well. We teach them how to own something, but not how to sustain it. We teach them how to take over, but not steward. There's, listen, I'm all competitive. I really am. Get me on a basketball court, and I'm there, all right? But I have learned that in my life, and especially being in corporate America, once you arrive, what do you do? Once you win it, what do you do? Well, you've got to learn how to stay there. You've got to learn how to keep yourself there. And the only place you can do that is by letting someone come in and protect you. One of the things I love about Pastor Adam is anytime I'll call him, I'm about to make a big major ministry decision or I've got an invitation to go speak at a conference and I'll ask if he knows them, which chances are he does. And, uh, and, and I'll say, hey, what do you think about this? I'm about to do this. He said, well, let me protect you a little bit and let me say this. How many has he ever said that to you? Come on, raise your hand. Yeah, a lot of us in this room. Cohen's raising it. Yeah, let me protect you. Let me protect you in this. Let me, let me speak some protection to you. What's he doing? He's being a father to me. He's speaking into my life and that gives me a lot of security. 
And I think another piece, too, when it, when it comes to what a mentor provides, again, number one is identity. Number two is protection. But number three is provision. Now, let me tell you what provision is. Provision is all of my resources are your inheritance. Everything I have, my life's wealth, everything I have built and worked towards, all of that is now yours. Now, I have watched, come on, how many have we seen an inheritance, a large sum of money, passed on to a, a younger group and they squandered it? Those stories are all over the place. What we did not teach them is how to father that. And that's what we're trying to tell you is when you present opportunities in front of them, when you present challenges to them, you are providing for them. Let, let me give you a, an understanding of this. I remember uh, Colton who uh, came into our youth ministry and I remember he was, he was just this fun-loving. He called himself a redneck, and he, they had an honorary redneck ceremony for me out in the parking lot one night. It was powerful. Um, and I, I remember he, came, he, he just came in our life, and I started getting into his backstory. You know, at least a youth ministry trick is in the 90s, if you wanted to know what a kid was into, you went into their bedroom, right? You visited the house. Nowadays, you just go on their Instagram and their Facebook and their Snapchat, and you'll totally figure that out. And so I remember, I found out through his story that they had, he had just moved to the area because his mother met a guy online on an online dating site two weeks before and decided to marry him and moved from another state to here. And not only that, she had done this several times before. So about six, well, nine months after he comes in and gets fully involved, he walks into the apartment and it's completely deserted with only his stuff left. And there's a note on the counter that says, Son, I love you very much, but I feel like the Lord's given me my soulmate, except he doesn't want you, so you need to drop out of high school. But you'll make it. You're smart. But remember, this world is, is cruel, but Jesus will be there for you. I love you, Mom. He called me crying. What do I do? Panicked. I, how am I supposed to make it? I, I've got to drop out of school. I'm like, whoa, 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 let me protect you a little bit. Let me provide for you a little bit. First off, you're not going to drop out of school. You're going to move in with us. Now, before you say that, guys, make sure you check with your wife. Because <laughs> I remember telling her, hey, guess what? We're going to have a long-term guest. Who's that? Colton. Really? I'm like, yeah, because that's what Jesus would do. And I think I'm just like Jesus. And I was like, of course Colton can live with us. <laughs> yeah, she was I totally, fought it a little bit for was, like five minutes. I'll take yeah, but he turned into a son. And what I found out a dream of his was, as he lived with us, was he wanted to be a fighter pilot. He said he had a better chance of being a fighter pilot if he had a pilot's license before he enlisted into the military. So he said, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And something just resonated in my heart. I'm a father. I've got resources. So I called the guy that went to our church. He was the chief trainer of all the American Airlines pilots, oversaw all their simulators around the country, their planes, maintenance, all that kind of stuff. And I called him and said, hey, listen, I've got a guy. You know the kid? Oh, that big redneck kid? Yeah, that's the kid. Uh, I, he wants to be a fighter pilot, but what we need to do is get him a license because he'll have a greater opportunity at being a pilot in the, in the military before he goes in if he gets a pilot's license. He said, hold on. He said, let me call you in 30 minutes. 30 minutes later, he calls me. He says, listen, I just got off the phone with the VP. American Airlines is going to donate the plane, the fuel, and my training hours, and we will certify him as a pilot so he can go on with his dream. Now, let me tell you, as a father, something leaped on the inside of me. That's provision. It didn't cost me a penny. It just cost me one phone call. All of my resources are your inheritance. That is what the DNA of a parent looks like, of a mentor, of an employer. I'm not just going to give you money. I'm going to give you identity. I'm not just going to put food on the table. I'm going to give you protection. I'm not just going to make sure you have clothes on your back. I'm going to teach you how to provide for yourself instead of you coming and sucking me dry. I'm going to teach you how to start your own business. I'm going to teach you how to steward your wealth. I'm going to teach you how to invest. You know, our kids, have a, they had a habit of when we went in the Toys R Us or the toy aisle, they would say, Dad, I want this. 
I'm all, how many, how many kids? Dad, I want that. I want that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me, let me help you out a little bit. Do you want that or you want to earn that? I want to earn that. So now they know how to get to it faster. Dad, I want to earn that. Here's what I'm telling you is we have got to get a language where we empower people. And as parents, especially as parents, we feel like the biggest failure. Sometimes we feel like, did I handle that right? Did I miss it? Did I, did I really get the whole issue out there? Did I discipline the correct way? Maybe I was a little too angry. Maybe I was disciplined out of my own hurt. Let me tell you something. I want to come alongside you next Saturday. I want to train you on how to speak. to your, you, don't have, you don't have to get in a cussing match with your kids. Let's be honest. Can we be real in church this morning? We, we don't have to throw lamps and couches and put holes in the wall. We can actually have a conversation like God has with us and bring correction to where the point they want that. Because after I'm done correcting my children or my sons and daughters or even our staff, they all, listen, our staff doesn't even know we're correcting them when we're correcting them. Once I can do that, they will operate, operate in a greater level of freedom, which is what we desire. I'm not trying to control you. I'm trying to get you to understand what Jesus paid the beautiful price for, for you to be free. And not, not just when I'm around, when you're by yourself and you still honor God with your life. That is true DNA that's being imparted. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to I apologize. I'm a little over on my time. I feel like we have a generation that is looking for a starting point. And they are looking for parents to give it to us. But in a generation, listen to me, in a generation where we have babies raising babies, in a generation where you are using what mom, your mom and dad did and talking to your children like your mom and dad did to you, let me ask you something. How's that working out for you? And listen, have you noticed most of adulthood is unlearning something and then relearning it the right way? Why can't we just have a generation that doesn't endure the delays, that has a godly wisdom, a godly protection, a godly identity passed on to it so we can see a greater move of God in Cedar Hill and the surrounding areas. And let me tell you something, it needs to start in the home. It is not my pastor's job to pastor my family. It is my job to pastor my family. Are you with me? I want to and ask... The, oh, go ahead. I want to also encourage you that we were doing this 10 years ago. So we were in our 20s. I want you to stop limiting yourself. So I don't have enough experience. There is somebody younger than you that you have more wisdom in, that you have more experience in, that you can speak life to them. My child in K, my child went to KFN, and she's, um, she had her team leader last week. She saw him, and he made such an impact just a week going to his camp. I mean, he spent maybe three hours with her. I don't know, total. But he made an impact because of the life that was coming out of his lips. You have life, and you have life of the life of heaven living inside of you, that you need ri the rivers of living water coming out of you, and you need to stop limiting yourself. You need to stop saying, I'm too old. I can't minister. I don't know enough of the word. No, we need you. I want to I just really say that we need you young or old. We need you. We, the body needs an example of fathers so and mothers good. in the house of God. Yeah, we need you in this fight, parents. We need you in this battle, men. We need you. Listen, we need you in this war, ladies. We, need, we really do. And what I have found is that people won't take it seriously enough to realize that we could literally have a move of God if it started in our own homes. But I'm telling you, I've pastored way too long. I've traveled all around the world. I have been on TV. I have been on radio. I'm, I'm busy. Trust me, I'm busy. But I have found I, have never, I never want to be more famous outside than I am in my own house. 
And I'm telling you, I am seeing greatness in my kids. I'm seeing greatness in the sons and daughters we've raised up. We've got men and women who are pastoring, that were in our youth ministry. We've got people from all over the world that are doing amazing things. But that all started with this right here, a language of freedom, a language of empowerment. If you need this, number one, I want to pray for you today. And number two, I want to invite you, come join us next Saturday as we're going to train even deeper, give you language on how to confront Listen, how to, how to arrive at a wisdom place, not a hateful place. I want to give you some of these, t- these tools. But if you're in this room and you'd say, Pastor Chris, you're speaking right to me. I've got some places in my life that I, I feel like I'm in a cycle and I can't break it. I'm parenting like my parents did. I'm thinking like my family did. And I want to break those generational curses. That can't happen right now. If you're looking for a starting point, let me just draw the line in the sand for the both of them and say, we could start right here today, right now. We can start imparting into our kids and speaking a language to our kids where they're not growing up with greater levels of fear. They're growing up with greater levels of freedom. And it's all centered around Jesus. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Would you put your hand on your heart? Father, I thank you for every man and woman that's represented in this place. I release your goodness, God. I thank you that you're not done with us. I I, I speak to the parent, even the single parent in this room that feels like my kid's only going to get half the good parenting that's possible. No, 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 no. I break that right now. I break that mentality right now. You are fully capable. You are fully equipped. God has not changed his mind about you. God is not in love with a future version of you. He's in love with you right now. God, let the men and women arise that are moms and dads, employers, leaders, pastors, neighbors, influencers. God, I call every man and woman to this place. I thank you for what they're doing in their life, how they're going to start to speak a language of freedom, speaking into identity, protection, and provision. And I release more of it on them in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Would you just bow your heads with me for just a couple more seconds? I just want to, I never want to gather with people that I love and not give you an opportunity if you've been disconnected from Jesus Christ to get to reconnect. You know, sometimes we just need somebody to hold our hand and put it into the hand of the Lord. So as you got your head bowed and your eye closed for just a moment, if you're away from Jesus, like you're not confident that if you died in some kind of crazy car accident at the next intersection today leaving the service, You're not confident that in that moment, standing before the living God, that he would embrace you, that he would with sad eyes look at you and say, I'm so sorry, but you never would give me your life. You kept pushing me away. Friend, don't live like that. Don't leave this place like that. He loves you. He desires you. He desires a relationship with you. You say, well, pastor, you don't know what I've done, what I've been through. I don't. I don't know that. But he does. And he still has arms stretched out wide. Forever branded on the cross. He could have died in any kind of capacity. Could have been stabbed. Could have been shot. Could have been choked out. But he was nailed to a cross. And so forever the image in our mind for all humanity is his arms always stretched out. Welcome us. Welcoming us to himself. If you're away from the Lord today, I'd like to reconnect you. He said, what do I do? Well, the Bible says it like this. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. In other words, you, you don't have to give money to the church. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to do 2,500 Hail Marys. You just confess him as Lord and believe that in your heart. And he will initiate that relationship with your response to his love. And from there, it will grow to the place where you go, I'm not even the same person anymore. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed if that's you i'm speaking to you the lord's tugging at your heart you're away from the lord i need you to be courageous enough to admit that to yourself and to heaven and i need you to allow me to lead you in a prayer that would bring you back into relationship with the living god or maybe for the first time connect you with no one looking around if that's you say pastor that's me then i want you to lift your hand right where you're at that's you god bless you thank you for your honesty god bless you sir amen anybody else thank you sir for your honesty i see your hand anybody else thank you thank you so much thank you for being honest thank you sir god's tugging at the men's heart any ladies in this room you're away from the lord and you need to come thank you sweetheart thank you for your honesty thank you sweetheart thank you thank you ma'am precious people i'll give you about three more seconds if you haven't responded to the Lord, lift your hand now. This is the moment. He loves you. Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you. You can put it down. I'm going to lead us in a prayer of repentance. There's nothing magical about the words, but supernatural is that God's dealing with your heart and you're responding. The prayer is just the period at the end of the sentence. Your whole life has been culminating to this moment. I mean, you think about it. It's a miracle you're in here today. Come on, those of you who lifted your hand. You know it's a miracle. It was a miracle when me and my mom went to church and I got right with the Lord and she did too. It was crazy. Should have never been there. She had been out clubbing the night before. God did a miracle to get us there. It's crazy. I still can't even tell you how it really happened, but God did it. I want to lead you in a prayer. And in fact, I'd like everyone in the audience, pray this out loud with my 10 or 12 friends who lifted their hands to respond to the Lord. Say it like this. Say, Jesus, Jesus. Today, today I surrender my life. I, surrender my life. I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my iniquity. And I ask you, cleanse me. Here and now, I declare in front of heaven and all of these people, Jesus is my Lord. I receive your forgiveness. And I declare right now, in front of everybody again, Jesus is my Lord. Keep your hands down for a second. Father, I pray for those who lifted their hands. I pray right now they would sense your forgiveness. They would know that they are washed clean. They don't have to perform. They don't have to do anything to be accepted. You accepted them 2,000 years ago when you died on a cross. You washed it away then. And now as they accept that sacrifice, that they would sense like a blanket, like a warm blanket on a cold winter morning being wrapped around in the blanket of love of the Father to them. As heaven is going crazy right now, the Bible says, as one sinner turns his heart back to the Father. Now, Lord, may they know that they're yours. May you fill them with your Holy Spirit right now in Jesus' name. The Spirit of the Lord to come upon them, dwell deeply and richly inside of them, and guide them all the days of their life. In Jesus' name.